the whole Stuff Down to Earth, the show in which we talk about the issues that matter. And today on our show, I want to talk with you about the power of the promise. That's right. The power of the promise. And I'm using as my scripture base. You will not believe it. Psalms 105. I found the scripture and I found in particular verses 8 to 15 that talks about the power of the promise and why it's important that God, who is the covenant keeper, God who initiates covenant between him and man, see that vertical relationship, not just the horizontal one, the vertical relationship between God and man. God is not only the covenant keeper, but how the promise is what sustains us and keeps us and provides a hedge of protection around you as you seek to fulfill the ultimate promise. Amen. So we're going to get into that in just a minute. But before we do that, I just want to tell you a little bit about who we are. I'm Harriet Kemmock. I am an author. So my books through the fire, visions and musings of the spirit are available worldwide on Amazon, as well as Barnes and Noble, wherever in the world books are sold. If you're in India, Australia, New Zealand, the United Kingdom, Denmark, wherever you are, you can find my books. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your continued support as you buying our books helps to keep us on the air. It also helps us to help the Exodus Foundation, of which I'm founder. It's an organization that was founded on the principle of living your best life to ensure that women and children who are fleeing violence, fleeing sexualized violence, fleeing violence in their homes, fleeing trafficking, human trafficking of all sorts, to ensure that those women find a brief respite from all of that. Amen. Amen. So I want to thank you for your support and uh, your continued support and viewership of this program, as well as continuing to listen to us on Spotify, Google, and so on helps us. Uh, We are in select TV stations around the country. So we're in some parts of the country in Ohio. We're in Pennsylvania, here in Michigan, and other parts of the country. We still thank you so much for your viewership. And thank you to all of you who prepare our programs and edit our programs and download them and upload them. I am so very grateful for your continued support and for you to continue to carry our programming. I am blessed. Thank you so very much. Amen. Amen. So as we continue to take our journey through the scriptures, the Lord has brought us to Psalms 105. And we are aware of the context in which we come with this message today. So I want you to listen to these words as they're written in the Bible and know that when where references to Israel are, we're talking about the people who are descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So we're not talking about present-day Israel, where that is located geographically in the land of Palestine. That's not what we're talking about. So we're not doing this as some kind of exposition that on a geopolitical situation. We're simply talking about scripturally and where it resides in the spirit. So I want to keep the main thing, the main thing. Amen. Amen. I don't want to politicize it because then the context is lost because then we'll start thinking all kinds of things. Now we're not doing that. Right. So again, uh, we're using as our scripture base, Psalms 105. And we're going to start reading at verse eight. And we're reading as usual from the New King James Version of the Bible. And it begins like this. It says, He, God, remembers 
his covenant forever. The word which he commanded for a thousand generations. Look at the preceding verse. It says, he's the Lord our God. His judgments are all in the earth. He remembers his covenant forever. The word which he commanded for a thousand generations. That's key. The covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac. See the generations. Abraham was one generation. Isaac was the other. Confirmed it to Jacob for a statue to Israel as an everlasting covenant. Not present day Israel. Not these folks here. Right? Saying to you, I will give the land of Canaan as the allotment of your inheritance. When they were few in number, indeed very few and strangers in it. Keep that as it may. When they went, listen to this, when they went from one nation to another, from one kingdom to another people, he permitted no one to do them wrong. Yes, he rebuked kings for their sakes. And this is the, this is the concentration. Listen to this. Verse 15, it's saying, it says, saying, do not touch my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm. Father, in the name of Jesus, I decrease so you might increase. I pray this day that you bring clarity to the scriptures and an assurance to your people that you are God and you are with them. We pray for the people in Gaza right now. We pray, oh God, that you will cover them, find a respite for them, deliver your people, Jesus, protect them. And for those of us who are in the rest of the world and are watching powerlessly through our TV screens and watching that there is nothing we can do, feeling totally helpless as we watch people suffer needlessly, we ask you, oh God, to send a covering, send help. Speak to the leaders, oh God, and create a divine restoration. Create something for the people to get out. Oh God, we beg you for people in war zones worldwide, not just in Gaza, but in the Ukraine. Our whole world seems to have erupted into violence. It seems that plutocrats who can't get what they want and are devoid of power have suddenly created wars where they can't just so they can feel important because power gives them a rush and an adrenaline. We see this, Lord God, as a form of the Antichrist, a form of Satan trying to wreak the power and to wrestle the power away from the people who have the power. We are the people. We have the power. We have the power to ask and demand peace. We have the power to ask and demand that we receive just judgments when we go to court, just judgments in our countries, in our neighborhoods, in our scenes. We ask now and demand that peace reigns upon all of us, peace upon our leaders. And Father God, we ask that you are God. Be the restorer of our peace. Be the restorer of those who have need peace in their homes. Maybe these people don't have peace in their lives. Be a restorer, oh God, of peace so that we can all live in peace. We thank you for provision right now for people who need provision. People right here in my community, people right where my friends are, you in your home, that you receive community, you receive the communion of the Holy Spirit, you receive what God has provided for all of us. Open up the windows of heaven this week. Pour out a blessing upon us that we cannot receive. Pour it out upon your people. Pour healing upon your people. Pour provision upon your people, O God. Pour the spirit of discernment upon your people. Lift the veil off so we can see the plans of the enemy and act without that destruction coming to our lives. We pray and ask that you hover over us. Hover our leaders, O God. Give them strength and wisdom this week. We ask for peace to reign in our country. Peace to reign where you are. Peace in our homes.
We ask that somebody going to the doctor this week, oh God, that you heal your people from the crowns of their heads to the soles of their feet. We ask that you stop gun violence, that you send healing to people who have lost loved ones this week in Maine, in the name of Jesus. And we bring you all the praise. We give you all the glory as we humble ourselves under your mighty hand, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We thank you, Lord God. And we ask you, O God, to hover over us. In Jesus' name, amen. I decrease so that you might increase. I feel humbled this morning in particular because I have to talk about a subject that I always feel like I'm not capable. I always feel overwhelmed at the might and power of God. I always feel as if I don't count. I'm insignificant to the glory of God. I always feel as if I don't do it justice. Every time that you see me come before you, know that Harriet comes before you always questioning whether she has said the right words, whether I've looked at the right scripture, whether I have broken it down, because I feel humbled by this. Because I recognize that using this is a, is a, is a powerful tool to use, much in the same way that a politician should approach his job. A politician has the power of the state behind him. So when he comes to speak to the people, he recognizes that he has to come now and calm us down when something has gone wrong. He has to come and explain to us or she has to come and explain why they made a decision this way and the ramifications behind it. Well, I don't count myself equal to that either. (laughs) I count myself as just a simple person. As far as I'm concerned, I should be running through the fields with daisies and a basket of flowers all the time. But far be it from me to accept that God called me and said, you must go and tell the people what I have said. So I understand that this does not always resonate with everyone. But for those for whom this makes sense to, this is going to make sense to you this morning. Because here in the scripture, in Psalms 105, who would have thought that you would come across the power of the promise? And what you recognize from reading this, it sounds familiar to all of us. Do you know why it sounds familiar? Because we read it in Genesis. We read it in Exodus. We recognize that it's also in Second Kings. It's also in what? Second Chronicles. So it's the same theme as you read through the scriptures. And as we climb over into the New Testament, you realize that all of this had set the stage for the eventual what? Coming of Jesus Christ. So when you look at the Bible, we get the whole picture. In fact, that's what the Bible says of itself. The Bible is an example for us to follow because we get the whole picture. We who are alive are blessed because now we have the whole thing. The people who lived in this time did not know about Jesus. He was just a prophecy to come. They didn't know about Peter. They didn't know about Paul and all those bros. You know what I mean? They didn't know that Jesus was going to walk with his band of brothers and prophesy. That was just a prophecy that hadn't yet happened. But what they had was just this. What had happened, the Torah, what Moses had said about the book, what Moses had written about the law. So what was the law? Inherent in the law was the promise that God was going to deliver his people to the land of Canaan. So I went and looked it up. Because I want to be clear so that at this time, when you're hearing this message, there is no inference to the geopolitical situations that are taking place in what we now call Israel that is part 
and parts of that's next door to Egypt, right? Sort of North Africa, next door to Egypt, with the Gaza and so on. We're not confusing it, so just so you know. So I went and looked it up to make sure that we have reference to it. And I began to realize that Canaan was the promised land. For many years now, I have been thinking that Canaan might have just been an ideological promise. That it might have just been an idea as opposed to a real geopolitical place, a real geo place, a real geographical place. And let me show you why. Because in many ways, the United States of America is not in the Bible. But if you read the Bible long enough, you will realize that the people who lived, they kept walking from place to place. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty tiring, doesn't it? Like, I couldn't even walk two miles, y'all. I can barely do two and a half miles when I go for a walk. You imagine walking 500 miles from one place and riding on a horse in cold and so on. But people did that back then. So the people who lived at the time, Canaan was just a place of the promise. Because God had made this promise to the patriarchs through the prophets to the people that if you do as I say, you're going to get there. Now, here's the, here's the key. Here's what we need to remember about the promise. When God makes you a promise, the power of the promise is contained in the fact that God spoke it. When God made you a promise, whatever God has promised you, understand that nothing is going to happen or can harm you until it does not negate that things won't happen. But it is not going to harm you until the promise is fulfilled. That's the power of the promise. You can take that to the bank because the one who made the promise is the covenant keeper. And if you don't believe me, it tells you right here. It says the covenant he made with Abraham, one generation, Isaac, another generation, Jacob for a statute. It's an everlasting covenant. The covenant... The promise that God made to you is an everlasting promise. That means it goes from what? Generation to generation. So maybe this is too much for you to understand. Let me break it down. You're looking at me. So I'm going to talk about me. God made me a promise. The promise that he made to me is keeping me from all harm. I told you my story about my ex-husband beating me up, almost killing me. How many times that could have happened? I lived in a neighborhood at one point in my life where gunshots were ricocheting all over the place. But I was fine because I knew the power of the promise did what? Kept me. Therefore, because it kept me, that promise is not just for me. Guess who else the promise is for? From one generation to the next. So my descendants, my children who are here, they haven't had children yet. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Right? Their children's children are also what? Receptors of the promise. Do you see how powerful the promise is? Do you see what I'm saying? So this is what you need to hold on to. This is why I encourage you to get into a position, get into a posture where you go to God and ask him so God can put a promise on you. If God tells you he's going to save you, he's going to save you. If God tells you it doesn't matter the mode of deliverance, it's not always linear. I, I tell my children this all the time. The way to the journey, to the destination is not always linear. It's never from here like a bar graph and goes straight up. It sometimes meanders and goes around. But what is going to happen is that at the end of it all, 
If you don't quit, if you don't throw in the towel, and if you don't give up, you are going to get to the destination. That is the power of the promise. The power comes from the one who initiated it, not the one who is the receipt. Because I am the receiver of the promise. I don't have the power. Do you see what I'm saying? So I can't prevent all these things that are outside of my control from happening. I have no power politically. So I can't stop public policy from ever happening. I have no power with legally. So I can't stop the courts, the police, law enforcement activities. I can't stop any of that. But what I can do as the receiver is continue through my vertical relationship to continue to pray to God for him to keep me through the promise. So his covenant then was with the patriarchs. So it's very important then that we establish a covenant with God as the patriarchs. Because we become the patriarchs when we're no longer on the earth. We become what they call today the ancestors. Yeah? Right. So to put that into perspective. So then the next generation will recognize, but didn't God make a promise to my mom, to my grandma? So where is that promise? When you start seeking, you will find so then God sits there because God is eternal. He's from generation to generation. He doesn't change. We do. We change. I, I guarantee you I don't look like I did when I was 17, 18, 19, 20, 30, 40, 50. We change, but God does not change. We're human. We're organic beings. So we have a time spent on the earth. When that time is done, we go back to a rest with our fathers and to God. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the next generation picks up the mantle and they have to go. So what do they have? They have the promise. My next generation, they have the promise. And they're sitting looking at me like, okay, keep it going, mom. Keep it going. Do you see what I'm saying? And this is the same way that your children look at you. So they turn around and say, but, did, but isn't there a promise? Like, don't you have something to do? So then they can now initiate their own relationship with God. And God says, come, let me show you what I have for you. I made some notes about this because I think it's important for us to understand how Israel was prospering in Egypt, how God took them through the wilderness into the promised land. And we talked about Canaan. So I found that the land of Canaan where the ancient Greeks, the Phoenicians were there. You want to hear this? It included Israel, the West Bank, Gaza, Jordan, and the Southern portions of where Syria Lebanon. We're all one people. Come on. Everybody is one people. Always knew that the covenant was the promise. The power pact that was made between the ancestors, it has to be fulfilled. God made a promise to your people, to your patriarchs. That power, that promise has to be fulfilled. If you don't see it right now, you may be sitting there and for many years of your life, you spent drinking or many years of your life, you spent abusing drugs. And some members of your family look at you and they say, you've wasted your life away. You're wasting your life away. And you are like, I've come to this place where I've gone to rehab. I'm 50 now and I can't put down the bottle. I can't put down the smokes. I can't put down the substances. What do I do? This is where you say, what is the promise? If the promise was for prosperity, then any of those activities, drugs, alcohol, is not prospering any of us, is it? In fact, it ruins our bodies. And this is the key. It ruins the relationships between us and the people we love. 
So if it is not in keeping with the promise of prosperity, prosperity here does not refer to financial gain. Prosperity here is living a life that is filled with love and joy and peace and having our worldly possessions, but also having peace with our friends, with our neighbors, having peace with the people in our communities, having peace with the people in our regions, in our states, having peace with the people in our country. That is the prosperity part of the promise. We often confuse prosperity to just mean when you say someone is prosperous, they're filled with money. But in our realities, we have seen many people with a lot of money. And money doesn't seem to appease them, does it? They're just as miserable. They, in fact, abuse substances. And they have all the money that could buy them all the stuff that you and I would think would make them. So we have to look at prosperity in the true sense of it. Prosperity brings peace. Baby, I'm going to tell you this. It could be you. Maybe you're dealing with someone who is doing those activities. But if it is not prospering you, if it doesn't bring you peace, it's not prosperity. If you have to rob somebody else to make your money and at night you think about it and then after a while you have to numb yourself so you don't remember that you robbed someone to make your money, it's not bringing you peace. It's not prosperity. It may look like it because you surround yourself with all the things that make it seem that way. But at the end of it all, it's not prosperous because it brings you no peace. See, the rest of us who have a covenant with God, have a promise with God. For years, people used to ask me, what gave you, what made you so confident? What made you so encouraged? You know what it was? I had a covenant and a promise from God that he was going to prosper me and he was going to bring me out. That promise and that covenant kept me through some of the toughest times. You know, when I started to feel bad was when I took my eyes off the promise. When I started listening to people around me who started saying, well, it looks like it's not working. It looks like it's never going to work. It looks like this. It looks like that. And I started listening to the people who were around me and I took my eyes off it. The minute that I refocus back on it, I have peace. Because what? The promise brings you peace. Because prosperity is peace. Prosperity here, we often confuse it. And I'm going to say it over and over. We confuse it with always having a lot of money. But sometimes we have a lot of money and we still go to the doctor and get a diagnosis that money, all the money we have in the bank can't solve. We need to have peace. And that's where the promise comes in. God has given us a covenant of peace. Inherent in that covenant is peace. Listen to me. God will always give you the promise. You know why? Because we are vulnerable. And we are often vulnerable to destruction in the absence of the promise. Yeah? And we are vulnerable to destruction from strangers and others about us. But we have to keep the focus on God. We have to keep the focus on what God wants. God is the deliverer of the promise. Let me say that one more time. God will deliver the promise by himself. We get it by descent. So he made a promise to my ancestors. I am going to receive that because he made that promise. It is established. 
my children are going to receive it and their children's children's children. The Bible says to a thousand generations. So I have news for some of us who are preaching that Jesus is coming today. He's coming tomorrow. Uh, A thousand generations, anyone? If the people in the Bible who lived 6,000 years ago and it's a thousand generations and a generation is 40 years, I don't think we've made a thousand generations. In fact, if we focus just the fact that God made the promise from generation as is exampled here and exemplified in the word of God that is written here, Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that's a type and shadow for us to understand that God is a generational God. One generation goes to sleep with the fathers, God raises up another one. I go sleep with my fathers, he raises up another one. She goes, they go to sleep with their fathers, and another one, and another one. The promise is perpetual. The promise of peace, the promise of prosperity. But here is what we need to do with it. He said, touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. Those whom God has called, those whom he has said, like me, whom he has said, come and do this. He said, touch not the anointed ones. Touch not the children. Touch not the innocent. Touch not those who are doing good. Touch them not. Do them no harm. Why? Because they are the promise. We are part of the promise. Do you understand? So this is not for all of us. This is for just some of us. Those of us. Those who are called. Like you. You're sitting on the couch right there looking at me. Saying me? Yeah. Put the cigarette down. Put the liquor down. You don't need that. What you need is this life changing word. This word that changes you. You don't need to think white power, white supremacy, black power, black supremacy, brown power, brown. Be- what you need is the power of the promise. That's what keeps us. The power of the promise is given right up to salvation. You know what salvation here is? Salvation is salvation from God, saving us from ourselves, saving us from what we think. These thoughts that we have where we think we are superior. One philosophy is superior and another group of people are inferior. Stop all that. God says what makes you superior is when you cleave to me. What makes you superior is you believing in me and you believing in the word of the promise. Now, I know this is not going to jive with everybody, but listen to me. This is for some of us. So here is the thing. The promise keeps you. So when people wrong you and harm you, they can't penetrate the veil. The promise is like a veil around you. It's like they're throwing darts. They do everything in the kitchen sink to see if you will shake, to see if you will fall. You will sometimes feel like falling, but do you fall? Because here's the thing. What about when you get up? When you get up and you pick it up again, you see how the promise keeps you? The promise has a power to pull you out of everything. Cleave to that promise. Touch not my prophets. Touch not mine anointed. Do them no harm. That is the command. That's why God can tell you. Touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm because they're my covenant. They're in a covenant with me. They are the promise that I have made to the generations. Do you see what I'm saying? So let me pray with you in these next few minutes. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for you, my brother and my sister. I pray for you, my friend, that in the community and the communion of the Holy Spirit, that you find peace and that the promise, the covenant promise, 
keeps you and retains you. And may God keep all of us during these next seven days, provide us with the peace of the promise. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' mighty name, be blessed, everybody.